We were made to count. We have an innate drive to be significant, to make a difference, to leave a mark on a world. That's a real good thing. God has placed that inside you. But it gets messed up and junked up in the world in which we live, in sin and brokenness and by misconceptions and false ideas. And what I want to talk about today is one of the primary gifts of life that somehow in our drive, particularly to be successful, we can miss out on. And it is the gift of friendship. God loves friendship. Jesus actually said to his followers one time, I no longer call you servants. You're not just human resources. You're not just units to get work done. I call you my friends. God created the gift of friendship and he loves it. And when we see it, we marvel at it. It awakens a desire, a hunger that's deep inside our souls. Quite recently, I was able to be with a group of folks down in Pebble Beach and they were part of a circle of friendship. A couple of uh, our friends, Sam and Betsy Reeves, created space for young people, and this is 30 or 40 years ago, to come together. They would do internships at the church. They would travel. They would talk to great thinkers, people like Paul Turnier or John Stott or Francis Schaeffer. They would learn together. They would laugh together. They would sing together. And they came together just this last week in Pebble Beach. Some of them had not seen each other in 40 years. And the laughter and the joy, they, they loved to sing. They produced uh, records uh, way back then, the 70s produced the great music of all time, songs like Muskrat Love that we just don't sing anymore. And it was such a joy to watch as the gift of friendship blossomed once again. And with so many people where they were deep friends many years ago, they would just pick up as though it had never stopped at all. What a wonderful mystery and what a great gift friendship is and how often and easily we can neglect it. One of the great stories of friendship in the Bible is the story of Jonathan and David. And part of what the text says is that early on, after David had talked with Saul, after killing Goliath, Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David. This is in 1 Samuel 18, because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jonathan chose to enter into a relationship with David of friendship. Um, we make covenants around marriage. One of the misconceptions in our day is that romantic love is more important than friendship love. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Four Loves, about how much friendship is neglected in our day. And then the ancients, there would be narratives like that of Jonathan and David or poems that were written to celebrate friendship love. But we don't do that much in our day. We just take it for granted. We largely neglect it. Jonathan's friendship with David was so deep that we're told that Jonathan actually hands over to David his tunic and his robe and his sword and his bow and his belt. And the understanding was that he was giving to David the symbols, the expression of his office, his destiny as the son of the king. He was saying to David, no, you will take that role. What I see in you are gifts and the presence of God and so I will not be king one day, you will be king. And this was a tangible, physical way of expressing this and of expressing Jonathan's commitment to David. Quite remarkable. They were very different from each other. Jonathan was the firstborn son of a king. David was the lastborn son of a shepherd. And yet they became friends. Their souls will knit together. 
Eugene Peterson has a wonderful book about David, and he writes this about David and Jonathan's friendship. Each of us has contact with hundreds of people who never look beyond our surface appearance. We have dealings with hundreds of people who, the moment they set their eyes on us, begin calculating what use we can be of them, what they can get out of us. We meet hundreds of people who take one look at us, make a snap judgment, and then slot us into a category so they won't have to deal with us as persons. They treat us as something less than we are. And if we're in constant association with them, we become less. And then someone enters our life who isn't looking for someone to use, is leisurely enough to find out what's really going on in us, is secure enough not to exploit our weaknesses or attack our strengths, recognizes our inner life, and understands the difficulty of living out our inner convictions, confirms what's deepest within us, a friend. And then Eugene goes on to quote a great Jewish theologian, Martin Buber. The greatest thing any person can do for another is to confirm the deepest thing in him, in her, to take the time and have the discernment to see what is most deeply there, most fully that person, and then confirm it by recognizing and encouraging it. One of the ways that friendship is so unique, one of the ways that it differs from our family is your family you're born into, your family you're just stuck with. Our friends, we get to choose. One person I read recently wrote, friendship is God's way of apologizing to us for our families. And I don't know that I would put it quite like that, although apparently I liked it enough to quote it. But we actually have a great crisis of the absence of friendship. And for a whole lot of reasons, I think it is becoming increasingly rare. I'll just cite one. There's a a book by Marla Paul called The Friendship Crisis, Finding, Making, and Keeping Friends When You're Not a Kid Anymore. And she cites one very disturbing reality. The number of people who say they have no close friends in America between 1990 and 2021 has quadrupled. And so she talks about how it is that we can go about uh, making friends. The, the, uh, this is a little bit humbling. The primary need in order for a friendship to take place is just simply proximity. Uh, to be close to someone else. And then a second one is repeated, unplanned interactions. That's one of the reasons why so often friendships happen in such a powerful way in school or in college, because you just see somebody, Jonathan and David, because of what David was doing then. They would just see each other quite often. There's no way to build friendship without time. Friendship is one of those gifts that's in a middle zone. I can't make it happen. I can make myself go exercise. I can make myself read a book. I cannot make a friendship happen. On the other hand, I'm not passive about it. I'm not a victim of it. It's not like I have nothing to do with whether or not it happens. I can seek it out. I can open myself up to it. I can pray for it. And most of all, I can look at the people around me and seek to love them and be looking for the signs, deep joy with each other, admiring their character, a desire to be together, a similar set of values, 
the opportunity to work shoulder to shoulder together on a great mission or a great project and see God maybe watering the seeds of friendship in a relationship where I had not thought about it. Mala writes about how uh, one of the barriers to friendship is we're so afraid of rejection and rejection management becomes a huge dynamic in our life. We would rather avoid rejection than experience acceptance. But she says, the fact is that other people tend to like us more than we think they do. We all tend to misread this. And that in fact, if I think another person likes me, I will become warmer with them and it makes it more likely that they will like me. This is uh, the way that Eugene kind of wraps up his account of David and Jonathan's friendship. Friendship is a much misunderestimated aspect of spirituality. It is every bit as significant as prayer and fasting, like the sacramental use of water and bread and wine. Friendship takes what is common in human experience and turns it into something holy. Friendship with David complicated Jonathan's life enormously. He risked losing his father's favor. He willingly sacrificed his own royal future. But neither the risk nor the loss deterred him. He became and stayed David's friend. Jonathan's friendship was essential to David's life. It's highly unlikely that David could have persisted in serving Saul without the friendship of Jonathan. Jonathan, in striking contrast to his father, discerned God in David, comprehended the danger and difficulty of his anointing, and made a covenant of friendship with him. Jonathan's friendship entered David's soul in a way that Saul's hatred never could. And that's the gift of friendship. So take a moment now. Think of people who fit in that category of friend in your own life. Maybe it's not as deep as you would like it to be right now. That's okay. Just think of a few of those names. And sometime today, let them know how much you love and care for them. And if they're part of this little video, internet, Fellowship of the Witherhead community we have, let them know. I'm not doing this just because the video said to do it. I'm doing it because I love you and I care for you and you mean a lot to me. And then as you see people today, ask God for the gift of discernment. Take a time to look at their face, to look at their body. Seek to do what Jonathan did uh, for David. Discern what might God be up to in this person. Offer yourself in acts of friendship this day. You never know what will happen. I'm grateful for you. See you next time. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444. Thank you.